Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I am your host, Rafe Houston, and today I am joined by a very special guest. He is known as the Michael Jordan of Misting. It is the one and only JT Energy. How are you today, sir? I'm very good. I am uh, doing well on the other side of the world, so I'm glad that you uh, have helped me reach a brand new audience uh, that I've never talked to before, and hopefully the people that are seeking me out are also finding a brand new podcast for themselves to fall in love with, uh, all in the world of professional wrestling. Absolutely, man. I, I love it. Uh, I first came across you on Instagram. Uh, I don't I don't know how we first interacted in there, but I've sort of been aware of your stuff for a while. Uh, I found your, uh, shall we say, shtick or antics very entertaining, uh, and, and it was fun to to. Uh, get to know you, throw a few messages and, and tee up this interview. So with all these kind of things, man, I usually like to start like most people do, which is from the start. Um, when you think about professional wrestling and how your journey started, were there some like uh, faces that stood out to you? Was like a kid or whatever that uh, instantly caught your attention? Yeah. So when it comes to like how I initially started to fall in love with professional wrestling and professional wrestling characters, like Coliseum videos were the things that sucked me in as a child. There were two things uh, that were really getting my attention when I was younger, and that was video games and Coliseum home videos. Because when I went to the video store with my mom, she would let me pick out a video game, and then we would get to rent a movie. And I would always rent a Coliseum home video because I would look at those WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, SummerSlam covers, and whoever the graphic designer was for WWF at the time did an amazing job because they knew exactly what they were doing, putting those pictures on the shelves for people to walk by and go, Whoa, who's that? What is that? Um, and that's where I started to rent wrestling. Um, before we had, uh, Monday night raw every single night. That's the only way that I was soaking it in. And I wasn't smart enough to know that we had things like Saturday night's main event or, you know, whatever that may have been on. So when I would rent those Coliseum home videos and see these people like Hulk Hogan and Mr. Perfect and Macho Man Randy Savage, the Ultimate Warrior, Andre the Giant, the Bushwhackers, the Hart Foundation, Shawn Michaels, Tatanka, those were these people that were like really pulling me in uh, and making me fall in love with what the WWF was at the time. And catching me up to all these years of what I was missing out on. But those larger-than-life late 80s characters, I think, are what really pulled me into professional wrestling and started to make me fall in love with everything that I've got into now. And when it comes to how I present myself, the way I want to look, the way I'm trying to engage with the fans, I mean, some of that stuff comes from my childhood and the people that I was watching then. Maybe not everything, but, you know, it's all shaped me on who I've become and how I fell in love with professional wrestling. Yeah, I, I can see that, like, the the moment I saw you, like, walking to the ring and everything like that, I could tell you were a person that ta- uh, pays attention to the details, you know, like every little part of your look and what you're saying to the crowd and what you're doing and the little mister and all these little things are, like, designed, and I, I really appreciated that. I um I also was the same living in I I didn't even grow up in Perth which is the you know the kind of main city in WA I grew up in Geraldton which is four hours um north of here and so it was you know so it is a city now but it was kind of like a smaller city and it was the same thing like I 
found it exactly the same way. I think I think there was a magazine in high school, uh, um, in primary school that somebody had showed me, and I, I became aware of it. But it wasn't until when I was in a video shop, walking past those Coliseum home videos and stuff. I remember the first one I rented out. I was in there with my dad. We used to have a deal. You guys maybe had something similar. Five weeklies for five dollars or whatever, and so all the ones that aren't new releases anymore were just a dollar each, and you could all pick your own videos and stuff. So I also used to pick wrestling, and I said, "Dad, can I get one of those?" He goes, "Oh yeah, wrestling's cool, kind of thing." And I I rented out WrestleMania nine uh, at the the Coliseum, you know, big outdoor kind of festival. Everyone's in togas. Uh, Bobby Heenan's coming in on an elephant and <laughs> like a, the Undertaker's on a chariot with a vulture and all this stuff. And it was just larger than life. And I was like, what is this thing? You know, none of my friends knew what it was. It's just this thing from the other side of the world uh, with all these bright, colorful characters that caught my attention immediately. So I definitely relate uh, to that story. Being that you grew, obviously grew up in America, you can then find out that this is real, right? Like it's going to be on TV. Uh, there are going to be shows around and stuff like that. Did you start to get it on TV, start to get your parents to take you to live stuff? Um, I, I did. So when I found out that we were going to have Monday Night Raw starting, um, I definitely wanted to tune in every single Monday night. I wanted to follow it from day one. Um, I was a diehard WWF fan. Um, but my first live event that I ever went to was actually a WCW event. I found out or started to see WCW events also on like TBS um, and n- not on TNT, but they used to have like Saturday night's main event. And with Saturday night's main event, I started to see people who were jumping from WWF to WCW. Yeah, I didn't understand that it was two different things. Yeah. But at the, t- at the time, I was living in Oklahoma, and WCW was coming to town, and we went there, and my mom took me, and I, I was too young to, like, appreciate all the amazing people that I saw at that time, yeah. but I've gone back and found the card from that first event, oh, amazing. and, like, the main event was, like, Ricky Steamboat versus, I want to say it was, like, Rick Flair, Big Van Vader or something, and Sting was there. And I was like, I can't believe I saw these people during yeah. this time period, and I just couldn't wrap my head around like appreciating it at the time. Uh-huh. And I remember that I got a program from that, but I like cut the program up, and I got I wanted all the pictures like individually, and yeah. I look back, and I'm like, man, I can't believe I don't have a really good souvenir from that first event that I went to. But yeah, yeah WCW was the first live event. Um, and it took me a handful of years later before I went to my first WWF event. Yeah, that that's so awesome, man. Like, I didn't uh, get to go to a live event until WWE came here. Oh, geez, what year would have been? It would have been early 2000s, like maybe 2002, 2003. They did, like, this thing called the Global Warning Tour, and it was, like, only going to Melbourne, which obviously the other side of the country, and they were just doing, like one night or two nights and it was like going to be like Australia's first pay-per-view and all that stuff. It was really just a house show. Nothing was televised, but uh, it was still uh, very exciting. And me and all my friends like saved up uh, and we flew across there and got a hotel and stuff and went to see it. And it was like amazing to see it like the first time in real life. And this is me as like, you know, a 19 year old dude. (laughs) I spent my whole (laughs) life as a fan, you know, from like early high school, um, 
and well, maybe even in that like later primary school kind of thing through high school, and yeah, I had no opportunity to ever see wrestling live. It's kind of amazing to think about the things that you see in how much of a built-up experience it is for when they finally come um, to Australia, the anticipation and yeah. how I don't think, I don't know if like the WWE wrestlers, if they like in their heads think every time that they go somewhere like that, that these guys have not seen live WWF professional wrestling for so long that it's going to be an amazing experience. And I, you know, you know, you got to turn it up even in for a house show yeah. to really blow people away and say, hey, we want these guys to watch for, you know, the next year at least yeah. because we don't know the next time we're going to come back, hopefully next year. But we got to hook them now because otherwise it's just TV or, you know, at the time it probably was barely YouTube and stuff like that. Like we're so blessed now with all the things that are our fingertips that we get to watch stuff all the time and have so much footage at our disposal but that live professional wrestling feel we're just hearing about it now and just starting to see those fans creep back into places like AEW and WWE is right around the corner yeah but those live events that we first went to those were the things where we got to look around and see that larger than life production and those you know, people come right into our lives and, you know, you try to get as close to the wrestlers as possible because you're trying to think, how big is Randy Orton? Like, after the match, can I get a high five? Can I just get one? Like, is there going to be someone outside who's going to stay longer and sign autographs? Like, Mm -hmm. it's so cool, the experience that they create and the stuff that they create at that higher level of professional wrestling it definitely bleeds into performers like myself at an independent level Mm -hmm. because I know what I want when I go see WWE, and I hope that's what people want and they experience when they come see us perform on that smaller level. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very important. I I had a conversation with a a local Perth wrestler recently, and we were talking about, like, that exact thing. Like, for me... I don't watch WWE as much anymore because I felt like for a long time I was watching and watching and watching and they were, I felt like they were trading on the goodwill that they had built up with me through my entire childhood, right? Like I was watching for nostalgia, but I was like, I'm not even enjoying the show anymore, right? And I think that responsibility like sometimes gets lost, you know, in the translation. And I think it's really important that like, professional wrestlers of, of any level, like understand that responsibility. He was talking about how when they were putting on their shows for a long time, when they were getting started in Perth, they had a money back guarantee. Like if you didn't love the first match, you could come in, you could just go, you know what? It's not for me. They'll give you your 20 bucks back or whatever it is. And you can walk out the door because it's like what we're really taking from people's their time. Yeah. And if they're not in love with it, then it's not for them. But if people are going to give us a, a their hard-earned cash, and more importantly, their hard-earned time, uh, we need to make it entertaining. Um, and that's why when I watch performers like yourself on, on an independent level that come out and they look the part and have you know spent the money on gear and are putting in that effort, you can tell they're the people that are really working very hard uh, to get to that next level and take sort of that seriously. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's one of the biggest things that I've, I hold myself to a very high standard and accountability when it comes to being 
a professional wrestler because a professional wrestler in a professional wrestling show is a choice that people are making. And with all the amazing things that are in front of us now, uh, especially with the world somewhat opening back up here stateside, people's time is invaluable. And the last thing you ever want is to be the reason that someone ever says, ah, I didn't really have a good time tonight. And so regardless of what show I'm on or how I'm performing or who I'm performing for, or if there's 20 fans or 200 fans, I want those people to have a good time. I try when I walk out during the match, before the match, after the match, to make specific eye contact with people in the crowd. And if even if I'm like calling them out or hassling them or yelling at them, I try to make direct eye contact with people because I'm trying to give them that moment during my matches where they're like, oh, that guy was calling me out. He yelled at me. And by doing that, they don't realize that I'm trying to specifically make sure that they don't like me and they want to come back and boo me again. Yeah. Um, or they, they're like, Hey, that piece of crap, you know what? I didn't like him, but you know what? He's, he's probably my favorite. Cause he was the meanest. He was yeah. the biggest dick on the show. <laughs> From the second you and come they, through the curtain, man, you just like break dance sort of out the thing. Yeah. You're misting everywhere. And I'm like, who is this douchebag? Like that's just the, 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 the reaction, the gear. It's like this semi athlete kind of like Michael Jordan type thing. And you're like talking about your abs the entire time. I think the comment was something like, I've got more abs than this entire crowd has IQ points or something like that. Like just <laughs> classic stuff. And I'm like, this guy's killing it. Like, <laughs> so I love yeah. Hanging cool. off the ropes. Like, I, I get it, man. I see every detail. Like, and I'm like, I can tell you're thinking about it. And literally I saw you doing that, like walking around the ring, interacting with people, having those moments, people like trying to swipe at you and stuff like that. And you're like, I don't have time and stuff. I get it, man. And it, it, it was really rewarding to see, to see that happen. And it, it's really cool that, that, like no matter what size show, you're still going to put in that same effort. Um, how does so? How do you, uh, as a young guy who's like a fan, then start to make that transition? So you you're obviously a pretty athletic guy. Were you into sports in high school? Like were you always kind of preparing to try and do it? Like what was your mindset? Uh, I tried sports in uh, in high school in middle school. Um, and I, I enjoyed them. I don't think I was necessarily the most athletic or had really come into my prime of what I was hoping to develop in. I, I never saw myself as, I constantly asked myself the question, like, how do I become a professional wrestler? How do I look like that man on the television? Because it's not like I was evolving my body into like a muscular physique. I was dripping wet 135 pounds asking myself like well I'm not really I'm not really doing anything I don't know how to go and I didn't have the confidence to dig deeper into turning myself into the athlete that I needed to be until later in life uh, but the thing that I did find that helped me was dance when I found dance that's when I realized um, kind of what my body was built for at the time and one of the things that I had that not everybody else had was I had a little bit of like musicality so I could listen to music and I could move my body to like specific beats. Mm -hmm. 
and I could remember eight counts and I could pick up on different things. And because of that, it started to set myself apart in a different athletic way than some other people were. So I, I realized that if I was going to start dedicating my time to learning something and honing a craft, that's where dance came into my life. And that kept me in shape for quite a while um, and helped me develop a different type of physical strength and also a cardio base. And I don't think I really started take to take like changing the shape of my body or the athletic approach of my body until I was till I turned 30, till I really committed that I was going to become a professional wrestler. And that's when I added CrossFit into my life that started helping me actually change my physique. I started to change the way that I ate. I started to treat myself like I was a professional athlete because some of the wrestling seminars that I had gone to, they, they ingrained it into you that you, if you're going to call yourself a professional wrestler, you have to look professional. You have to act professional. You have to come off as a professional wrestler. And I started to realize that there's a lot of things that I could take the next step to go that much farther to really prove to people that when I was going around and I was telling them I moved here to become a professional wrestler, when people searched me on the internet and they looked up the things that I was creating and putting out there, people had no reason to disbelieve that I was really a professional wrestler based on how I had changed my appearance and the things that I was doing on an independent level. So when I fully committed to that, that's when I, the real changes within who I am came, but I was lucky enough to find dance for a big amount of years to help at least build a base where I was comfortable putting my body through hell, trying to learn stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Well, CrossFit looks like it's no joke from what I understand. Uh, I have a old man's body that has been destroyed from years of neglect and also from being a metal musician for about 10 years. So whipping your head around all the time doesn't really help. Um, and so I imagine that the and – and it seems when you look at athletes, like, and we'll get into him because I know you trained us all, like Seth Rollins, who's a big CrossFit guy um, – CrossFit and professional wrestling go hand in hand a little bit, right? Yeah, no, you're you're hitting it right on the money. Uh, CrossFit is definitely um, when you do a workout, you're you're trying to mix multiple things. You're trying to mix strength with cardio and getting the most out of the least amount of time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that does correlate with wrestling because you're putting your body through different types of impact at different speeds Mm -hmm. while you're trying to think at the same time. So being able to be in a CrossFit workout and try to keep your head straight while you're trying to maximize your performance, it it definitely has some correlation to professional wrestling. Um, And I, I, if I would have never uh, joined, you know, the black and brave wrestling Academy and been introduced to uh, Seth, and had all of us start to do CrossFit, you know, I would have never found what I've really fallen in love with that I've kept doing, regardless of professional wrestling. So is that where you started? Was that your first training? You walked into their school? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, after after I decided that I was going to become a professional wrestler, I had stumbled upon the Black and Brave Wrestling Academy. 
Um, I blame it really all on Facebook because I'm almost positive some type of ad popped up that alerted me to Black and Brave Wrestling. Mm -hmm. And when I realized like there was a wrestling school mere hours from where I was living, and the per one of the head trainers was Seth Rollins, who is realistically in the main event title picture in WWE at the time, I thought, yeah. this guy is the future of professional wrestling. He is at the top of you know, the mountain. He's almost there right now. If yeah. I start training when he's at the top of his game, I mean, what better way, what better person to learn from? And I've been blessed that not only did he reach that pinnacle right when I was joining his wrestling school, but he's kept himself relevant on a high level for a significant amount of time. Absolutely. I mean, whether people want to like admit it or not, he's He's 100% a first ballot Hall of Famer with the career that he's built there, and I'm blessed to have him as someone I can call coach. Yeah, that that's awesome, man. Seth Rollins actually got me back into wrestling. Uh, I was out of it for ages, like I said, doing a band, doing different stuff, and then uh, I think it was about 2013 or something, I was flicking through the channels, and he curb-stomped Randy Orton's head through a cinder block, and I was like, what's going on with wrestling? <laughs> the rest is history. So, uh, And I... Was lucky enough they since have done other tours since that global warning tour I told you about. But I flew over east. I think it was to Sydney. My wife uh, saw saw him and like the the tour and saw him and Dean Ambrose in a steel cage match, like in the front row kind of thing. So I said, I've seen him a few times now, and it was like literally awesome. How's it been like getting to know him and and uh, getting to become a professional wrestler like via his school? Um, it's been. It's been extremely humbling because when you walk into the Black and Brave Wrestling Academy, you're walking into a school that has Seth Rollins' name on it. But day one, he lets you know that Colby Lopez is here to be not only your trainer, but wants to turn into your coach and your friend and someone that you can turn to for advice, not only in professional wrestling, but in life. Um, I think one of the things that if I could ask for more of him is just who he is as a human being. I, I try to model myself after a lot yeah. because the way that he carries himself, acts, gives back to his community. Um, he is the type of person that I would like to model myself after. Um, whether I have a high level of success or not, because the way that he thinks, he's always giving back. And I try to do that even as someone who's only been in professional wrestling for five years. I always know that every day that I associate myself with professional wrestling, I'm associating myself with the Black and Brave Wrestling Academy, which means I'm a product of Seth Rollins, and anything that I do has his name on it. So I'm always trying to make sure that I'm never disrespecting the thing that he has brought up to a level and helped bring back fans like yourself who were out for so long because I want to carry on his vision um, or his students' vision of the pro wrestling that we're, try we're trying to portray into this world. So we're trying to make it better for everything that he gave to it so he can try to you know help his legacy live longer between him and Merrick Brave and Matt Mayday, those guys there at the school they solidified things 10, 15 years ago on the indies and they're building a whole new crop 
that have gone out into the world and put black and brave wrestling across their backs, but we're all trying to give back and create something new from the school that they allowed us to join and, you know, go through the training and constantly get feedback on matches and promos and just, you know, even if we're stuck at a weird point in our lives, he's always someone he we can turn to to ask for like reflection and with how smart he is as an individual, sometimes just a little like pep talk, even it's even if it's through like uh, DMs, it's just the thing that you need because you have someone who believes in you, who's trying to steer you in the right direction yeah. to help you out. That's right. That's really. Um you know, positive to hear, you know, um, when you, when you think about schools like that and you hear about like famous wrestling schools, like Shawn Michaels school and, you know, all these ones back in the day, those used to, it always seems like any story I've heard, it's always the kind of thing like their names on it, but they rock up every now and then, uh, they're not really obtainable to the students. Like, yeah, I went to his academy, but I, I never saw him once that sort of stuff. It's, um, it's pretty cool to hear that he's like so hands-on, um, and so sort of like uh, available to you guys. I'm sure his like life is a, a whirlwind of like, you know, tours and wrestling and responsibilities and the business and stuff like that. So the fact that he's the kind of person that would take a moment to shoot you back a message or, you know, give you some words of encouragement or some honest criticism or whatever it may be uh, speaks a lot for him. Yeah, and it took me for... I would say after I graduated, that when when we graduated, they always tell us that they're there for us all the time. Uh -huh. um, but with me being such a prideful person, I wanted to go out and I wanted to like get my feet sunk into professional wrestling a little bit mm -hmm. instead of running back to my coaches after every single match saying, oh, I'm ready for feedback or what do you think about this or what do you think about that? I wanted to try professional wrestling Huh. on my own so that way I could figure out things and get a little bit of experience before I came back and said, okay, I've been here for a couple of years now. I've been doing some things. I've been trying some things. I finally had a match that I thought was pretty high caliber uh, for the level that I'm at. Could I get some feedback on that? And being able to hear that type of feedback finally, um, whether it took a week or two weeks, being able to have someone that just invests a little bit of time to really kind of like pinpoint your matches from not only the eye of someone who's been doing something on a pretty high level for a long time, but also someone who has TV experience. So he can talk to you about it from an independent level, but he can also talk to you about it from a WWE TV level. Mm -hmm. So when I think about that stuff, I'm always trying to think about his feedback and the way that he's portraying it. And it's just, it's nice to know that he, the more that you respect him and his time and his family and his school and what you represent, it feels like the more that you get back in return. And I never try to bug him because I always just try to be respectful thinking that if I was in his shoes, just giving me, giving back to me what he already gives, like I, I already think that's probably too much just because I can't, I can't believe that sometimes he will shoot me a message uh, if I have a question and I just try to be respectful anytime I get to interact with them. That's so cool, man. Take, take me back. So I've never, I've never trained in wrestling. What's the first day look like? You walk into the academy. 
Uh, you're like, I want to be a wrestler. How's a, how does it all go down? <laughs> well, uh, the, the first couple days of training, they, the first thing they try to do is they want to make sure that you're there. They, that you're there to become a professional wrestler and you're taking it seriously. That's the first thing that they have to get out of the way is, are you serious? How serious are you? And did you prepare yourself enough to make it through the first couple days of professional wrestling training? They want to see what kind of shape your body's in, both strength-wise and cardio-wise, to make sure that you're willing to go through hell to call yourself a professional wrestler. So lucky, luckily for myself, when I moved down to where the school was, I had joined CrossFit um, at the local gym, and I had started it for a couple months because I wanted to get my body ready for things. And because of that, I think it really helped me uh, <laughs> get ready for the stuff they put you through right away. Because some people, you can tell, they do not, they don't take it seriously. They think they're going to show up on day one, and that's when they start like building their body and learning the moves and you should be putting in work a year in advance before you join a professional wrestling school, at least to be in good athletic shape to be ready to try to learn to become a professional wrestler. Because at least if you're coachable and you look like you're a good athlete in some way, shape or form, that's what they want. They want people that they can help mold into something that they want to become. You're not going to walk in day one and be a professional wrestler already. Um, but that's any advice that I could give to someone who's looking to even uh, think about becoming a professional wrestler on uh, the level of being in the ring, even with a referee. Like You should be in shape. You should be thinking about working out or eating healthy on a regular basis because those times when you go to wrestling shows, whether you're a performer or some type of talent, you're in the car for a long time. You wake up the next day very sore. Um, you know, those are types of things that you need to get your body ready for and know that that's just the life you've chosen as a professional wrestler. And a lot of us, uh, we get addicted to it, um, trying to find the, the next big thrill from week to week. But, you know, once you get in front of those crowds and you get to perform for people, um, it's it's worth every single penny that you could ever put into professional wrestling. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I imagine that prep would be a big thing, not only in looking the part, but then keeping up with everybody and also, more, most importantly, avoiding injury. You know what I mean? If you're not ready to go in some aspect, I can imagine very easily hurting yourself and then you're on the shelf anyway and you're not learning anything and it's, it's all been for nothing. Yeah, and... That's what, I mean, I pride myself on and, you know, knock on wood here next to me. I've only had bumps and bruises and a couple black eyes, but I've had friends that, you know, have torn their ACLs, torn their MCLs, uh, you know, seen people get their nose broken. It's, it's something where because of the sport that we are in, there's a lot of contact and a lot of things happening very quickly that you have to react on your feet to. And because of that, you have to be ready for that. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't roll out of bed in the morning and then get in a sports car and start driving 100 miles an hour down the interstate or the freeway. You know, you're putting yourself at, at risk. You have to be alert and ready all the time. And being an athlete and getting yourself in shape and ready for every single match that you have is extremely important. Mm -hmm. 
because it only takes a second to have an injury that can take you out for a full year. Exactly, and then then where are you? You know that nothing. <laughs> it's and if you're only just getting started, or if it's your livelihood, that that really likes going to slow you down and mess everything up. So, right. what's the what's the antithesis of JT Energy? So where where does that start? It always interests me thinking about how these you know larger than life personas come. Everybody always says it's themselves turned up to eleven, and that may be true. But uh, we talked about the details you know, the little details that you consider when you do it. Were you immediately JT Energy? Uh, so from day one, that has been my name. Mm-hmm. I never have been anything else besides JT Energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to figure out what JT Energy was, who he was, um, the things that I've evolved into. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came to choosing my name, um, I had my my initials are TJ. Um, and I was thinking about TJ energy. And the reason I was thinking about energy is because we have these little five hour energy shots. And I was taking those like instead of coffee in the morning, coffee's not my bag. Um, I like to just take a little shot, boom, flip it back, starts my day, wakes me up, put on some good tunes, drive to work, and I'm ready to go. So it had become part of my life. So I thought the energy aspect along with dancing was perfect for me as far as just something that people hear and they resonate with. Energy is just a common word and a common phrase that puts something in your head. Mm -hmm. But TJ energy didn't quite flow like if you flipped it and you said JT energy. I thought that rolled off the tongue a little bit better. Yeah. And and when I thought to myself, I go, okay, if I go up to anybody on the street um, and I say, hey, if I said JT, like, what do you think of maybe? And because of his relevance over the last, oh, like 15 years, a lot of people think of maybe Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Timberlake is a white guy who can dance, who's a pretty big entertainer. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, like, well, I wouldn't mind having the initials JT because people would think he's a white guy who's an entertainer. He dances. He's got a lot of energy. And I thought, okay, I I like that reference. And so I rolled with it and I said, we'll see where it starts. And I had to figure out if I was a good guy or a bad guy. And the first day that we cut promos, I was very like back and forth. And I started to cut my promo and they said, are you a good guy or a bad guy? And I was like, I don't really know. And they go, no, 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 no. What do you, who do you think you are? And I said, I think I'm a bad guy. Because in my everyday life, I'm a very good guy. I want to be a good guy. But deep down inside, it's that it's that other side of you that doesn't get to, you know, you don't get to you don't get to flip somebody off in in while you're driving every single day. But you want to. Yeah. Um, and so when I cut my first promo, the faces of my coaches, what I saw them react to the words that I was saying. I knew I had found who I was. I knew I had found the filth that was JT Energy. And my first tagline that I'd come up with for myself when I got into my professional wrestling career was JT Energy, the filth you can't wash off. (laughs) And and I thought to to myself, I go, because there's a couple wrestlers that say stuff about being filthy and dirty and whatever, but mine isn't necessarily on a physical level sure i might come off a little gross or disturbing if you're not used to me but 
I'm trying to put stuff into your brain that you can't unsee. You can't get that memory to go away. And because of that, you can never wash off the filth that JT Energy implants in your head. So I had found my first character and my first uh, little bit of fun to sink myself into to start my professional wrestling career. It's uh, you were, yeah, playing with all sorts of stuff as you came out and the the additional gimmicks and stuff. I always like like uh, you know, you've almost got this like sportsman type thing, like the leg sleeve kind of things that you wear were pretty interesting to me because you've got this kind of like basketball type look. That was something I had never seen before. Where did they come from? Well, so a lot of times when I think about professional wrestlers and the attire that you wear. It's very important how you present yourself because a first impression is a huge thing. And I thought to myself that I wanted to be extremely athletic, but I didn't really see myself as someone who was like a boots and trunks kind of guy. Yeah. Um, but when I was trying to think of uh, different – seeing people wear different things, um, like Sunny Kiss on the indies has kind of a similar look. Uh, now on AEW where they have like almost, they look like thigh highs, mm -hmm. but they're, like you said, they're athletic, like nylon. Mm -hmm. And instead of being very flashy colors or, uh, patterns, I was very aesthetic with just picking reds or blues. That way they matched my shoes that I was wearing. Mm -hmm. And I like to wear like high top sneakers that go with my long leg sleeves and then I wear like wristbands. So some of the stuff that I'm wearing, you're like, it's athletic attire, but he's very androgynous. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure like who he is or what he is or what the character is. But within a couple minutes of watching me and who I am, it's like, okay, this is weirdly working in some type of a way. But it's something I just wanted to try because I didn't see a lot of people doing it. Yeah. And I knew as a male trying to take influence from people female attire and not going too over the top it just gave that impression of like i don't feel comfortable with what he's wearing or why he's wearing it and because of that i could play on uh people not having uh their their masculinity they they felt like they were they were being judged because i looked good in clothes that they would never be comfortable wearing <laughs> uh but if I had their girlfriends or their wives or whoever going, oh, look at that guy. You know, it's the best best way to piss a guy off right away is to make his girl think some guy who walks out is hot stuff. So yeah, it's a uh, it, it's like super super funny because like uh, it, it's exactly that. Like you're playing with this kind of androgynous thing, but it's this athlete type look, and then everything you're doing is like. The character is just in love with himself, you know? <laughs> He's just like, is everybody getting this and I'm going to do whatever I want, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. The Mr. is amazing. So I had never seen that before. Obviously, you're super in shape. And then the second you walk through, you're misting up your own, like, abs and body and you've got these, like, yellow lens glasses on and stuff like that. Uh, where, where's the Mr. come from? So originally it just started as a very basic spray bottle. Okay. I had an, I had an opportunity to team with a guy um, at the time and he was uh, trying to pitch himself as like the wettest professional wrestler, something of that nature where <laughs> okay. he was like overly, 
he was overly spritzing himself a lot. Yeah. And at the time, I was trying to be different on wrestling shows. So I wasn't putting on any oil. I wasn't putting on, I was trying to be almost like dry. I would put a little bit of lotion on, so I had a little bit of shine to me, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to be oily. Yeah. But when I saw him use the spray bottle, he told me, he's like, you should come out with a spray bottle. We'll be like, we'll spritz each other. We'll spritz each other. And I was like, okay, that's fun. Yeah. And then after that, um, he kind of like dropped that gimmick where he stopped doing it. And it, instead of dropping it, I turned it up like, tenfold i found like a very big bottle and then i started to like overly spritz myself and i think it was either like last christmas or for my birthday or something like that my girlfriend had gone to amazon and she had found these uh mister bottles that they're almost like febreze and when we put water in it i saw that and i was like this is amazing. Like I've never seen anybody come out with this because when you press the bottle or press the little trigger, it does this really nice elongated stream of water that like, especially if I'm getting pictures, it like helps stop those moments where people can really like be like, what is going on? What is he spraying himself with? Like, is that water is, and it really confuses people because a lot of people haven't seen it, but it's just, basic fun stuff that i find on amazon and throw a sticker on it or try to jazz it up so it looks like it goes with my character and i've been rolling with it ever since it's kind of like my signature little thing if i was an action figure that's what i'd come with i'm i'm glad you say that so that that is another thing so we talked about those original you know old school wrestling characters and stuff like that and when i think about that i think about you know my wrestling action figures so like i had demolition and they would come with like the executioner's hood was their accessory and stuff and so or, or Hacksaw Jim Duggan with a two by four or Jake the Snake Roberts with a snake. They all had like a thing, right? And so here you are with this like cool Mr. Bottle and that in itself leads to so many things that like you could do with it in a match. You spray somebody in the eyes with it. It's loaded with a lead weight and you hit somebody with it. You know, all these <laughs> like, there's, there's like a colored poison in it or something like that. There's like, so, that makes people sleepy. There's so many like fun things you can do with just this silly little spray bottle. Like it was so smart to me. Yeah. That's, I, I, I try to think to myself, if I was, a, you know, if I was eight years old and I saw this guy for the first time, I have to think to myself on the level of WWE. Yeah. If I was an action figure, what am I coming with? If yeah. I was in a video game, what would I look like? What's my signature move? What's the guy in the crowd holding that would be a sign for JT Energy? I try to think on all those levels of what a kid grows up on professional wrestling. And it changes more now because the world's so much different. But when I grew up, I would see my favorite professional wrestler. I would see their t-shirt. I would see their action figure. I would see them in a video game. And when I think of all those things, I have to think to myself, if I was in all of those things, what would I look like? How would I be? What would my moves be? And because of that, I try to think very distinctly. So when people describe JT Energy and they go, what's he look like? What's his music? What's his move set? What colors does he wear? I want people to be able to like think right away all those things about me. Because if I ask someone, hey, tell me five things about Shawn Michaels or tell me five things about Randy Orton, 
there's probably five things that pop into your head right away. Absolutely. And that's because they've done a great job of defining those characters. And if you're a professional wrestler and you don't think someone can like rattle off five cool things about you, then you got to dig deeper into your character so that way you evolve a little bit more so people have specific things that they're referencing about you when they talk about you in professional wrestling. Absolutely, man. It's yeah, it's refreshing to hear that you've you know thought about every a- aspect. You've thought about it down to the ground of you know who this person is and who you are, which means that any time you're put in a situation, a promo, a match, or whatever, you already know where you're going with it. Like you can fall back on that because you're ne- you're never going to be caught unglued because you know down to the ground who JT Energy is. Yeah, it's always about what's next and you have to always be thinking about your next event where where's that story taking jt energy where's that story going to lead a year from now and the longer you think picture wise about what you're evolving with whether it be your look or your opponent or your match or the move that you're trying to do those are all things you can solidify as a story to help evolve yourself in some way shape or form So that's why I try to think to myself when I do character changes, why am I doing a character change? Is it coming across to my fans? If they were to describe to their friend what I did, would it be the same idea of what I thought? And if it's not, why isn't it resonating that way? Because that's the story I'm trying to portray without writing a paragraph on Instagram about why I'm doing something. Yeah, exactly right. So um, JT Energy is invented and is developed over all this time and stuff. So where are you at now? I know you hold a couple of titles and a couple of various promotions. What's sort of next for you? Well, um, there's, there's some big things on the horizon, I would say. So I hold two championships right now. One is the 3XW Wrestling, Pure Wrestling Championship. Mm-hmm. I, it, during this pandemic, I've only had two title matches, um, one against Valentina Loga and one against former WWE superstar Eugene. Mm-hmm. Um, both matches I'm extremely proud of. They're both on YouTube if you check out my channel. Um, but the gentleman that I won that title from, his name is Jason Strife, mm-hmm. and he is one of the best wrestlers in the Midwest when it comes to uh, professional wrestling around where I live. And I would love to give him the rematch that he deserves for that championship. Um, And I think that's one on the horizon for 3XW because he's kind of a white whale to get a real victory over him. And my last victory was good, but there was a little help from a uh, special referee in that match. So if I could solidify a good singles victory against Jason Strife, I think that would be great. Um, now the other championship that I hold is for central empire wrestling. And we just had our first comeback event on the 4th of July. Um, and I won my championship match. Uh, some people say that I had my feet on the ropes. I disagree. Um, I was just stretching and it happened to be during three seconds that a pinfall was happening. Well, you're supposed now, to do Exactly. You don't want to cramp. Um, Exactly. It was hot outside. It's the 4th of July. I was excited. You're an athlete. Um, But we have a very big event coming up on September 18th called Bridge City Slam 3. 
Now, it's going to be in Ottumwa, Iowa, and there's this giant list of amazing people that are going to be on this show. Um, Rikishi will be there. Gangrel will be there. Uh, Half of Crime Time, JTG, Chris Masters, and someone who I'm familiar with. Uh, he used to go by the name Eric Rowan mm. and now goes by the name Eric Redbeard. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea who is coming for my Central Empire Wrestling Championship that day. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that could stand across the ring from JT Energy that I can make magic with. Mm-hmm. Now, um, if I were to... I don't know if I want to choose anybody, um, but I would say myself and Mr. Redbeard have some unfinished business based on how he um, embarrassed me in front of everyone I've ever known when I was on Monday Night Raw, and he crushed me on the Christmas episode. Oh, no. And that, anytime I meet someone and they find out that I am a professional wrestler, the next day they go, I saw this match on YouTube where you pulled candy canes out of your trunks and then got destroyed by this huge guy. And I go, yep, that was me. <laughs> so I feel like that is, that's my legacy in professional wrestling right now is the candy cane guy that got destroyed by Eric Rowan. And I don't know if I want to die on that hill, but I think JT Energy is a little smarter now than he was then. And so if myself and Mr. Redbeard were to face off at Bridge City Slam 3, I'm not saying that I can win, but I think JT Energy can find a way to win. And I'm just putting that out into the world to see what happens. I would be very interested to see what happens. That would be awesome. Uh, is Where do people watch this? Is this streaming anywhere or will this be on YouTube? How, how do they get at it? Um, as far as I know right now, a lot of the events around here, um, 3XW and Central Empire Wrestling, they don't have any type of streams um, as far as their events go. But a lot of their stuff, they're trying to upload to places like YouTube as quickly as possible after these events to give fans an option to you know check out what we have from all across the world. And maybe if I push people a little bit, Maybe we can get some things like some Patreons going so that way I can let them know, hey, I've been on you know podcasts in Australia and people want to see JT Energy across the world because yeah. they can't come to the United States and pay money to see me in person like they want to. Mm-hmm. But they do want to watch me wrestle and see my matches. So maybe I can try to pull some strings in the near future so that way people have access to more of my matches through these companies. But I've really been trying to throw up as many matches as possible that I've had across my career on my YouTube channel to try to get my subscribers up um, to make sure that people, if they want to check out my career, I've put plenty of stuff out there for you to check out, whether it's tag team wrestling, faction wrestling, singles wrestling, intergender wrestling. I've done a ton of it. It's all up there for your enjoyment. That's awesome, man. I would recommend anybody check out JT Energy's YouTube channel. I familiarize myself with your stuff by like going through a ton of those clips and being very entertained by your antics on there. Um, before we start to wrap up here, tell me a little bit about that Raw spot because it wasn't something that I was aware of. As I said, I've been a little bit out of WWE for a while. Uh, in that, were you JT Energy on TV or were they having you like do extra work or what was happening there? 
so it was part of WWE extra work. Um, at the time, Eric Rowan, every single week, seemed to be crushing local talent. Uh-huh. Um, and it's because they were trying to figure out what was in his cage oh, that he was bringing. Yeah. Okay, I remember hearing uh, about this infamous cage. Exactly. Well, I was one of the people that tried to get a peek in the cage, and I was lucky. I was lucky enough to be on the Christmas episode of Monday Night Raw. Cool. And I thought I would give Mister Rowan a candy cane to make him chill out a little bit. No one had given him candy yet, because maybe the big giant will just chill out if he has his candy. Exactly. But I didn't think that by trying to offer what was ever in the cage, the rest of the candy I brought to the ring, it was going to piss him off. I should have just gave him all the candy up front and left. I would have got, I would have got counted out, but I wouldn't have woke up sore the next day. <laughs> so unfortunately, uh, once I got too close to the cage, it only took, you know, a minute and I had two of his iron claw choke slams to my face before I was counted one, two, three, but, it was quick, but at the same time, if you ever watch that clip of me on Monday Night Raw, just notice how how well I take my TV time when it came to wrestling on WWE TV. Mm-hmm. I made the most of every second that I was given by Mr. Paul Heyman and Vince McMahon at that time to maximize the potential of that match and the moment and the story that we were trying to tell. And when I came back from that match, my coaches said, very good job on what I did. So I was very proud of my small stint, but stint nonetheless on Monday Night Raw with Eric Rowan. Yeah, well, that's it. Any uh, publicity is good publicity. And like you say, you're, you've got a, a small window of opportunity to be seen by a massive audience. You've got to take advantage of that. Yes, exactly. That's amazing, man. Um, have you done any other extra work for them? Um, I have not done – well, in the past, I did a little bit. I was – that weekend that I was on Monday Night Raw, the night before, I was part of uh, WWE TLC 2019. I was part of King Corbin's security group, okay. <laughs> um, which didn't work out for me because Roman Reigns uh, kicked my ass. Um, I took a big old kendo shot to the gut. Okay. Um and then the Friday night before that, I was also part of King Corbin's security group. Uh, and that night, uh, also getting beat up by the big dog, Roman Reigns. Uh, so at least I can say Roman Reigns has given me a big boot to the face and hit me across the stomach with a kendo stick. So that's fun. Mate, if you could get beat up by anybody, you'd be the number one guy in WWE. So it's not too I mean, no shabby exactly. at all. Yeah, I'm over here getting trained by Seth Rollins, getting beat up by the big dog, Roman Reigns. So... And then I was part of No Way Jose's conga line a couple of times, which you can never say is a bad time because it was always high energy for the fans. So, <laughs> Exactly right. Now, all you've got to do, though, is get beat up by Moxley and you've uh, actually hit the all members of the Shield. Oh, man. I mean, who knows? Maybe JT Energy shows up in some way, shape, or form on AEW Dark soon. Uh, it never helps if you want to get somebody somewhere, retweet, tag people, do things. Tell people who you want to put into the world because you never know how much a tweet, um, a mention, a hashtag, a share, all those things mean something to the people that are trying to create the world of professional wrestling. So if you want to see JT Energy 
uh, try to beat people up, but more than likely probably get my ass kicked in these big companies, <laughs> go ahead and put my name out there. If someone like uh, Moxley wants to punch me in the face or Lance Archer wants to murder me, go ahead. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I think like you're a guy who's already so polished, so young into his career. I could see you stepping into any of those companies and being good to go. Uh, you can, I feel like character will always shine through. Like you can have great matches in the ring and you can have these five-star classics, but they don't always make the really memorable events you know what I mean and then if you can start to tie those two together you're on the winning train and I feel like that's exactly what's happening for you man so tell the people where to find you so they can get out there and tweet everybody that exists about the man that is JT Energy um, if you want to talk about check out do anything with JT Energy you will put that nice little at sign you will spell DJ just like in the club DJ click just like you should be doing with your mouse. Um, the letter N comes right after M, and then play, just like you did with this episode. DJ Click and Play is where you can find me on all my social media platforms. If you don't know how to spell that, even though I just laid it out plain and simple for you, just type in JT Energy into your favorite browser, and I promise plenty of stuff will come up, whether it's a story, a video, an image that you can never unsee, there's plenty of stuff out there on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok. I'm all over the place, but it's because I want you to find me and be entertained. I love if people interact with me. Sure, I'm a heel, but at the same time, JT Energy loves attention because he deserves it. And even people in Australia, I've never been there. I've never met you, but I love you. Why wouldn't I love you? They're great pro wrestling fans down there. There's someone down there by the name of Jackson Kelly who's a great professional wrestler who I'd love to kick his ass because I know he wants to kick mine because he never got to do it when he was in Iowa. There's plenty of people out there who are great professional wrestlers, whether in Australia, Europe, Africa, the United States, Mexico, Canada, everybody. I want to step across the ring from you. JT Energy wants to entertain pro wrestling. JT Energy, the Michael Jordan of misting needs to make the world of professional wrestling just a little bit wetter. <laughs> just a little bit more moist. That's right, everybody. You heard it here first. So for the Michael Jordan of misting JT Energy and for Faces and Feels, remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram at FacesFeelsCast, Twitter at FacesFeelsCast, and Facebook at FacesFeelsCast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com, and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Oh! Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G-Raver, Schlack, 
Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestler, promotion, manager, or platform, and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Ah!